When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K-State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. Well, tonight's another big Monday inside of Bramlage Coliseum. Not as exciting as the one a few weeks ago. But it is West Virginia coming into town with a K-State alum as the head coach in Josh Eilert, who spent many years working with Bob Huggins. But now he has taken the reins and he brings in his Mountaineers that have only won nine games so far this whole season. K-State coming off a win against BYU. I am Mitch Fortner with A.J. Shaw across the glass. We're only with you for an hour as pregame coverage of the K-State men against West Virginia. We'll start at 5 o'clock and tip off just a few minutes after 6 the game, or the uh, well, the, yeah, the the actual contest right here on K Man, uh, and also online at newsradiokman.com. Wyatt Thompson joins us here in just a few seconds from uh, well, he'll join us actually from Bramwich Coliseum over the phone as he's getting set for his broadcast again to start at five o'clock. Cats coming off the win over BYU, eighty four seventy four. Plus, uh, we will get to a Mitch Palm that'll be later on this hour. Mitch Palm will predict. The Cats and Mountaineers will wrap up the show. We'll wrap up the only hour of the show today with a look at this week in the Big 12. There's another uh, Big Monday contest in the Big 12, which tips off at 8 o'clock. There's a couple of marquee games as well, one tomorrow and one coming up on Saturday. And uh, we'll ask also Wyatt here a little bit about his thoughts on the Big 12 race. And I, I, I personally have the feeling I think Houston has locked it up. Yeah, I would agree. I think they've had it. They, I mean, they just moved up to one today in the AP poll, and I think they have locked up the Big Twelve for sure. Oh, did UConn lost. I believe so. Oh, I yeah. didn't even. Uh, I didn't even realize that. My I, gosh, that's a that's a big story to miss. How dare I miss UConn potentially uh, losing a game? I mean, if Houston is number one, I mean that would make plenty of sense now. I, I'm actually well. They beat Villanova on Saturday. But they lost to Creighton last Tuesday. So that's what bumped them down. They're now three in the AP Top 25. Yeah, you are right. Houston is now the number one team in the nation. And you know what? They're playing like the number one team in the nation. They, oh, no doubt. They play in the best league. Mm-hmm. I think Kelvin Sampson should be the Big 12 Coach of the Year. Yeah, I agree with you as well. On that. And, I, you know, I'm going to ask Wyatt about all this because I also think Jamal Shedd believe it or not, should be the Big 12 player of the year. Houston is one of the hottest teams in college basketball. Now, Jamal Shedd has been lights out playing well, I think better than L.J. Cryer. Um, you know, Hunter Dickinson, Kevin McCuller has been hurt recently. Hunter Dickinson, I think, was just 
expected yeah. to be the Big 12 Player of the Year. You know, I'm now leading Jamal Shedd. We'll, we'll, we'll get to all that here with Wyatt. Uh, we are now joined by Wyatt Thompson. He joins us for one segment over the phone as he's over at Bramwich Coliseum getting ready for his broadcast. We'll talk about the Big 12 stuff here in just a moment. Wyatt, let's first look back to Saturday and what a win it was for K-State. They get revenge over the Cougars in Bramwich as they beat BYU 84-74, five players in double figures for K-State. The most points the Cats score in a game since the Oral Roberts overtime contest, 88 back in November. Why I want to get your thoughts on what K-State did right to get it done on Saturday. Well, first of all, let's start with saying it was probably one of their most complete games of the season, I think. When you look at the box score, yeah, sure, they had 13 turnovers, just a little bit under their average. But they also had 20 assists on 27 made field goals, had five players scoring double figures. They shot 65%, 13 of 20 in the second half and won the ball game by 10 against the top 25-ranked team. I love the start of the game, 12-2 and 16-4. You got the three early threes from Tyler Perry, and I think Arthur said after the game in the press conference that that kind of spread the floor a little bit and got him off the deck, and the next thing you know, he's got 28-10. and 10. And just a real solid defensive performance. If you'd have told me before the game, that BYU would shoot 41%, but go just six of 30 from three. I'm all good with that. So overall, just a really, really outstanding performance. And I guess the other part of what you were asking about there is, is it just was so needed because, you know, they had had some grinder games and defense kept them in games, but they weren't winning a whole lot. And maybe this will give them a little bit of a nudge that they need into the game tonight. And, and hopefully this weekend in Cincinnati. You would certainly hope so. You feel like these are winnable games coming up. Cats want to at least try to win out as best as possible to give themselves a better resume for the NCAA tournament. Certainly beating BYU, a quad one game, will help you out a little bit. Also, you know, K-State still has to play in Lawrence, which feels impossible until they actually win a game there. It hasn't been since 2006 that's been done. Going back to the offense, again, K-State scoring 84 points in the game, and they were consistent. 42 points in each half. The Cats finished 56% from the floor. Also loved. I mean, both teams were actually pretty solid in the paint. But K-State was 12 of 15 from two in the second half. Now, I'm not the best X's and O's guys when it comes to basketball. But to you, did it seem like K-State was doing a little bit something differently on offense? Yeah, I think there were a few things that they've tried to tweak here off and on. But I don't know that it's necessarily all that technical. For me, what stood out was just um, the effort in which they played. And, and I'm not necessarily talking about Kaluma, who went off for 28-10, and 10, or you know Tyler Perry, who had 16 points, three rebounds, five assists, <laughs> and, and that kind of thing. But I loved what the big guys brought. Um, Will McNair had 11-3 and three with uh, a couple of assists. Uh, David Gasson continues to play well. He had 12 and five and just the effort there on both ends of the floor. I just thought they were a little bit of better spacing. I, I think the passing was better. The cutting was harder. All of those kind of things matter. And that, you know, that's the thing that the coaches had preached for a couple of days prior to the game was that, you know, you, <laughs> everything matters. Do it correctly. Whether as, Even if it's just a simple bounce pass or a, you know, a 10 foot pass. 
put something on it, get it there and get it to their hands, not to their ankles or whatever it might be. And I just thought they had better focus, honestly. Five players in double figures, led by Arthur Kaluma's career-high 28 points, also with 10 rebounds, a double-double. 16 coming from Tyler Perry. He was 4 of 7 from three-point range. 12 each, Cam Carter and David Gasson. Will McNair finishes in double figures with 11 points. He was 4 of 5 from the field and 3 of 4 from the free-throw line. K-State got to the free-throw line 31 times. I thought that was key. Why? I want to go back to David Gasson for just a moment because uh, Jerome Tang... After the game, just kind of broke down what's going on with David, why he's still coming off the bench despite playing really well and got back into what happened a few weeks ago, and it was a it's a foot injury, right? Um, that's why he's not starting, and that's because he was typically your guy that would uh, would jump for K State to start the game, and he can't do that right now. Despite that, he has scored twelve straight. He has scored twelve points in three straight games. With that injury, how surprising is it to you that David is playing so well right now? Well, I think sometimes that happens. And, and to be specific, it, it, he's got a little bit of a knee issue. And it's it's really something that I, I said something to Coach Tang about it last week. And I said, David's fighting through a little bit of pain. And he says, no, he's fighting through quite a bit of pain. <laughs> and we have to manage his minutes. Mm. And I think that, to me, that's why... You know, it's so impressive of, of what he's doing. I even have on my chart, over his last five games, he's averaged 10 points and six rebounds and has shot 64% from the floor. And those are pretty good numbers. And I, I think he has done a really good job, honestly, of just, you know, not letting the not starting get in his way. Same really for Will. And I thought they challenged him, too. I, I don't, don't want to get too much into Will, uh, when, when you're asking about David, but David's just sometimes when you get into that, you know, senior season and stuff you, and you get close to the finish line, it's like, man, let's go for this. Right. And they've got everything on the line now. Right. I mean, they've put themselves in a position where they've got to, you know, be pretty special here at the end to try to make the tournament. And I think David's given everything he's got and, and maybe a little more than that, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's been so much fun to watch David, the effort he's giving with knowing that he is not feeling well, uh, man, hats off to him. I think the, the, the Dutchman himself is, is just playing such solid basketball right now. Again, 12 points in the last three games. That thing's not going to get healthy until the season's over. I, I'm just here to tell you, I'm not, I don't want to get into a lot of detail about it, but he, He's playing with some issues, too. Cam Carter's been, frankly, not feeling well for about a week. So they're giving pretty good effort there. And, and you know, you mentioned about the game in, in Austin. I know they, they played pretty poorly offensively, but I thought their defensive effort was enough to, to give them a chance to win. Now you're starting to play just a little bit better offensively, and, and you see what happens. You get a 10-point win against a good club. Yeah, it was at home, but... You take that and move on. You see, see if you can do it again tonight, and then hopefully go get one in Cincinnati. Wyatt, let's look at tonight's 6 o'clock tip-off. Pre-game coverage at 5 here on K-Man. That follows us up here on Wildcat Insider as you have pre-game with Stan Weber. Cats taking on the West Virginia Mountaineers for the second time this year. The first meeting went to K-State, and that was on the road in Morgantown, 81-67. But like K-State, the Mountaineers have lost seven of the last nine. Maybe a bit of a bounce back was 
a couple of games ago for uh, West Virginia with beating UCF at home, 77-67. to This was one of those teams that I thought, you know, when they get a little bit healthier, they get to more full strength, that this is going to be a problem. Well, they haven't gone on that quite a run that I thought they would, but they could still be a problem. What's your thoughts on the Mountaineers entering tonight, tied for last place at 4-10 and in the Big 12? I think you said it really well there because their capabilities are such that they team on a given night. Uh, but as an example, you know, a couple of thoughts. I don't know if you got to see much of their game at Iowa State on Saturday. Nine minutes or so to go, they're up fifty-one to fifty. And what happened? Iowa State goes on a fourteen to nothing run. <laughs> you know, that that sounds familiar, doesn't it? I mean, we've seen that happen in this league. It's hard. But they are different now than when we saw them January 9th in Morgantown. Just if nothing else, they've played together a little bit more now, and Jesse Edwards is available. He's a seven-footer who is pretty skilled. I think you'll see that tonight. He can run the floor. He, he handles it pretty well. He passes it pretty well. Um, so for me, the one thing that hurt them Saturday, by the way, was 20-plus turnovers and aims. And, and that's hurt K-State, too. So you know, when, when you have a, a year like that, uh, you, you see some good, some not so good, and the consistency is the issue, and I think that's uh, the thing with them. But if you catch them on a night where they're making shots and Raekwon's locked in, Raekwon Battle's good player. We saw him last year in the tournament with Montana State. He played well against the Cats in Morgantown. Uh, you, you concern yourself with it, but K-State's the better team, but you got to go out there and perform and hopefully do it on both ends of the and tonight, and then everything's fine. Yeah, and the, when it comes to the crowd, I mean, this could be a late-arriving crowd. Again, it's a 6 o'clock tip-off, not the most convenient with people getting off work on a Monday and trying to get to Bramlage, especially with now the extra road construction. So if you can, allow yourself a little bit of extra time to get to Bramlage, especially if you're parking on um, the northeast side of Bramlage Coliseum. Uh, and again, tip off at six pregame at five. One more question: Why before we wrap it up? Is we're you know we're winding down now here on the Big Twelve slate. There's just a handful of games left for each team's a couple of weeks uh, left in the regular season before the Big Twelve tournament rolls around. Obviously, K State wants to avoid having to play in that first round. A win tonight could really help them climb the ladder a little bit, avoid that first day in the Big Twelve tournament in Kansas City. But if you look at the top of the standings, I thought Houston pulled off. A huge win over Baylor the other night, and that puts Houston now, they have a one-game lead right now against Iowa State. Houston has case, or I'm sorry, Houston uh, left in their regular season, has Cincinnati, Oklahoma, UCF, and then they will host Kansas, which that'll be, of course, a big one coming up on the 9th of March, but do you see Houston winning out? Do you see Houston becoming the outright Big 12 champions this year? I think they really have a great ch- chance at it, to be honest with you. Um, for those who don't know, they were it, at Waco Saturday, as you mentioned, and, and won a game in overtime. <clears throat> there are several factors of, of how impressed you need to be with that. First of all, they blew out to a 41-25 to half. It played great. Next thing you know, it's a battle. Baylor came back, played really well early in the second, got the game into overtime. And what do great teams do? They win on the road, especially in tight, tough games, and Houston found a way. They've done it really all season long. And, and the probably the exception in the league play has been, you know, what uh, <laughs> where they've been at Allen Fieldhouse, which is hard for everybody, 
um, and, and not much other than that. I mean, they've been way good. Um, I think Jamal Shedd is probably going to be the, the player of the year in this league. Uh, they've got just a hugely experienced team that defends like crazy. They rebound like crazy. So I'm just going to jump out there and say I'll be surprised if they don't win it with that schedule, Randy. I'm glad you brought up Jamal Shedd because you're right. With him being one now is one of the favorites for the uh, you know Big Twelve Player of the Year award because thought you know at the beginning of the year that would just automatically go to Hunter Dickinson, but then Kevin McCuller yeah. was going off and he's now been their best player, but now he's hurt. He's on the shelf. He may not be back for K State's game in Lawrence. Jamal Shedd, I think, has been. You're right, the most consistent player. Boy, out of the last 11, 12 games for Houston, I mean, he's been their leading scorer during this stretch to allow Houston to take the lead in the Big 12. So I got to agree with you. I think Jamal Shedd is the player of the year. Well, they're 24 and 3, okay? They're 15 and 0 at home, but, but, and I think everybody understands they're a beast at home, but they're 7 and 3 in quad one games, 6 and 0 in quad two games. That, that's, that's very, very good. And I just think he's, as the coaches like to say now, the head of the snake. <laughs> he he does everything at at just intense speed, uh, and does it with physicality that would be hard to match uh, from anybody in the league at the point guard position. Would you agree with that? I would. And we've got some good we've got some good 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 point guards in this league. Whether it's you know, Dwan Harris at Kansas or Taman Lipsy or whoever you want to say. Um, but, but I, I think he's the best and, and, the, and has been the most consistent and he's honestly, there've been a couple of games where the game's on the line and he needs to go get a couple of buckets to get them over the top. And he's done it. I, I really appreciate that about him. He's tough, really tough. Wyatt with that, we will wrap it up. We'll see you in a brand much call in a few minutes. Thank you for your time. Yes, sir. My pleasure. Good to be on with you. Big thanks to Wyatt Thompson, voice of the Cats here on Wildcat Insider. He'll, of course, have the call with Stan tipping off at 6, pregame at 5 here on K-Man. We'll get Mitch Palm coming up later in this hour. We're out at 5 o'clock. When we come back, K-State women looking back at their loss yesterday against KU. And uh, the Cats open up the home schedule with Holy Cross this past weekend. More Wildcat Insider. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We are back. Wildcat Insider. It's our only hour of the show today. We're out in 30 minutes. Cats pregame for the men hosting West Virginia. At 5 o'clock, tip-off at 6. Mitch Fortner with A.J. Shaw. Just spoke with Wyatt Thompson. Now want to transition to the women's basketball team for K-State. What started out to be a really solid week then turned into a, a bit of a downer. 
with the loss Sunday to KU. First, you know, with the West Virginia game on Saturday, I do want to repeat that that was a huge win because West Virginia was kind of on fire at the time. I mean, playing really solid basketball. They were a super underrated team. They were just barely in the top 25. They should have been a top 15 team heading into that game, just with three losses on the year, top four of the Big 12. That game went to overtime, and it was kind of a back and forth. You know, K-State was better in the in the second and fourth quarter. West Virginia was better in the first and third. You get Aoka Lee back if you're K-State, and she was darn near unstoppable in the second half. And she was the go-to. K-State made a major offensive change mm-hmm. now that she was back, and that was maybe we cooled a little bit on the three-point shooting. Instead of jacking up a ton of threes, we have to get paint touches. Mm-hmm. Yoki took 17 shots. Second on the team was 10 with Serena Sundell. But the thing is, K-State only shot four, made four threes. They only took seven mm-hmm. in the game, which was by far a season low. Against KU, mm-hmm. it was more of the same. It was more of, we got to get these paint touches. Yoki put up 21 shots. Unfortunately for K-State, just wasn't as efficient where she only made seven of those 21 attempts, still had 11 rebounds. She had a 14.11 rebound day. you know. And outside of her, 11 points from Taryn Sides. I wanted to see more Taryn Sides in the game. She did play 19 minutes, but it was like, ooh, she made her first two threes. Yeah. Maybe this is a direction you go. K-State shot 11, made four, and three of them were from Terrence Sides. One of them was in the last 15 seconds where K-State was down six and absolutely needed a three. She, so that 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 really it really hurt that K-State couldn't get that win. They lose 58-55 to KU. Yeah, I mean, it was nice to see Terrence Sides finally play really well in, in conference play. She's been struggling a little bit ever since kind of the early start of the year where she was off to a really good start. But it was nice to see her step up big. And, you know, it, it's nice to have Yoki back. I mean, you were talking about the West Virginia game. When you have that paint presence down low, and not to say that Eliza Moppin or Gisela Sanchez were any slouches, they did a fantastic job filling in, but when you have Yoki back in there, it's just tremendous. Well, but they're not centers. That's true. Aoka Lee is a center, and in this league, you, you need a you need a big center. You need somebody yes. that's really strong, because the Big 12 has a, has a bunch of strong centers, mm-hmm. and Audie Crooks, who plays at Iowa State, who's just named the Big 12 Player of the Week, mm-hmm. is coming in on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and I said this last week, that that's going to be one of the best five-versus-five battles that Bramlage Coliseum has seen in a long time. It just happens to be senior night, Yep. which what could definitely be, we imagine it is, Aoka Lee's last game in Bramlage Coliseum. Yep, it's going to be bittersweet, but it's going to be a, a nice moment, and hopefully they can get revenge for that first game. They went back and forth in that game up at Ames on Valentine's Day. But, you know, in that KU game, you know, Tayana, I think is how you say her first name. Jackson, mm-hmm. she's six 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 seven, pretty athletic. Has you know kind of been a a matchup battle for Yoki when she has played against her. And Jackson, I was pretty good, eleven points, but she also had eight blocks in the game. Um, you know, K State had a really rough last six minutes of the game, and I saw a KU team that wanted it more than K State. That, that's what I saw. That's my opinion that KU wanted it more than K-State. Because there was a stretch until you know, when K-State was down, found themselves down six, less than a minute to go. I felt like I saw some, some missed shots that may have should, probably should have gone in, some bad decisions. 
he, he didn't he didn't have enough high IQ plays. K-State defensively was getting stuck on, you know, some ball fakes. They were getting stuck on ball screens, and it got shooters open. K-State was not getting those shots. And that for the last almost nearly the last six and a half minutes, K-State only scored three points. So K-State, after they went up four points, six points, they couldn't stretch the lead back out. So and the thing is, like K-State, you you hope that they win these last couple of games, win a game or two at least, uh, in the Big 12 tournament, because K-State right now is trying to play for solidifying their spot as a host team for the NCAA tournament. Well, I mean, if you look back at the West Virginia game, I'm looking at the standings right now, that West Virginia win was huge because you still got a shot. You're only two back of OU for the top spot. You're well, one back at Texas. I, the Big 12 title, I don't. it's not going to happen. Yeah. It, it just, it's, unfortunately, that loss to KU, it, I just don't see it happening. Mm. I think Oklahoma's going to win the title. Mm-hmm. Texas, I mean, Oklahoma has to lose twice and they have two games left. I, it's not going to happen. Oklahoma's too good to let that happen. So I think the uh, unfortunately in the last year of the Big Twelve, your one and two seed is probably going to be Texas and Oklahoma or Oklahoma and Texas. Unfortunately, yeah. So that does sting. But right now, K State still the three seed. They would get the double bye. You do like to see that. Uh, K State will host Iowa State for Senior Day, Senior Night Wednesday at six thirty in Bramlage Coliseum. Um, see if I can squeeze in a. Couple of quick thoughts about baseball, real quick. It was a three-game series against Holy Cross. K State takes two out of three. You definitely want to take the sweep if you. If they lose in the second game, seventeen to eleven. Just some real quick thoughts. First of all, Tyson Abers not available, and he might not be available for a while, and that really stings if you're K State because he pitched the first weekend hurt, and now um, we may not see him for a while. So uh, he he tried to go, try to give it his best. You know, explains why he didn't give his be- he didn't have his best against Arizona State. So I don't know how long he's going to be out. Um, but he, according to Pete Hughes, he'll be out potentially for a little while. So I don't know how long that is. Um, meanwhile, other than Sunday, you know, the pitching on Friday and Saturday, we saw a number of guys various ages. Um, not enough consistency. Not enough first pitch strikes. Um. You know, not enough strikes in general. Not enough one, two, three innings. Uh, well, K State did not have one on Friday yeah. until yeah. the final inning, I think. Um, you're right. Yeah, not enough one, two, three innings. I mean, mm-hmm. Holy Cross did a fine job at the plate. Mm-hmm. Uh, K State giving up base runners. Meanwhile, you know, Owen Borm, I thought I thought it looked pretty good there. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Wentworth, I thought looked pretty good. Uh, but we we're not seeing the depth yet. Yep. We're not seeing the depth yet. Meanwhile, offensively. I mean, if you look at the numbers, I mean, K-State had a pretty successful weekend offensively, uh, took a lot of walks. There was quite a bit of discipline, I thought, at the plate. Um, a couple of guys that actually stood out to me, you know, Jaden Lobliner, DH in first base, I thought was really good this weekend. Daniel Rivera had a, a slow Saturday, mm-hmm. but a solid Friday and Sunday. I liked Daniel Rivera mm-hmm. at the plate and in the field. Like Casey did a solid job. I you know it's early. I don't yep. really want to go too deep into that about the criticisms and about the great things. I think K State is still a great team. Now it's just you know it's about making the corrections. You got UMass Lowell coming in mm-hmm. this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You want to see the pitching get better. 
That I think that's where it absolutely starts. The pitching depth, the strike zone, K-State punching the strike zone, first pitch strikes has to that's the the one top change that needs to be seen as an improvement starting Friday against UMass Lowell. We'll take a break and when we come back it is Mitch Palm predicting tonight's game. Coming up next. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Next. up next. So you're telling me there's a chance. Joe Lenardi now has K-State back. It is next four out of the NCAA tournament. So, Cats back on the bubble. It's still the wrong side of the bubble. K-State with four games left in the regular season, looking to go on a run to close out the regular season and head into Kansas City with a decent seed and not be in that first round, get at least that first round by. Cats are 16-11, and 6-8 and eight in the Big 12. Meanwhile, West Virginia has nine total wins on the season. 9-18 and 18 overall, 4-10 and 10 in the conference. 9-9 nine and nine still feels potentially like a magic number for the Cats to finish in the Big 12 to have a solid shot at making the NCAA tournament. Both teams have lost seven of the last nine. K-State coming off the 10-point win against BYU. Meanwhile, WVU, a loss at Iowa State on Saturday, 71-64. So they're playing back-to-back games in the Midwest Saturday and now today on Monday. First meeting went to K-State. That was all the way back on January 9th. Both teams' second game in the Big 12 slate. Cam Carter finished with a game-high 23 points. And K-State with a second-half surge of 17-5, to and West Virginia tried many times to make it a game again. They got within five three times. K-State able to stretch it back out every time to hold on to a double-digit lead and a win. Also, David Gasson with 17 points. Arthur Kaluma with 17 points. All around a strong win for the Cats all the way back in early January. Meanwhile, West Virginia... Winless on the road this season. They are 0-7. They're losing games by an average of 19 points on the road. Immediately stood out to Mitch Palm. That is not looking good for the Mountaineers. But I will say, WVU, I thought after that game against K-State, and then that that waiver came through, the NCAA waiver uh, that allowed those sit-outs due to NCAA rule because they transferred the second time without graduating, that was lifted, and now they're able to play like Kirk Creesa, and Jesse Edwards. West Virginia has actually only played with a full roster five games this year. They've dealt with that, of course, and then injuries. Raekwon Battle missed the first nine games of the year. Kirk Creason missed the first nine games due to the NCAA suspension. Kirk Creason missed the first nine games due to an NCAA suspicion for violation of rules at Arizona. Noah Farrakhan, Missed the first nine games due to the transfer rule. Jesse Edwards actually had a fractured wrist in the UMass game, so he sat out a long period of time. Looking at West Virginia now as a team with a full roster, still not doing a solid job, really. I mean, I think they're the worst offense in the Big 12. They turn it over a little bit too much, don't really get to the free throw line, they don't score well inside, and they don't rebound that well. And I, you know, K State has struggled lately with keeping teams off the offensive glass. I mean, BYU, they. The, the Cougars had 19 
Cougars took 20 more shots than K-State in the second half, but what really worked for K-State was a little bit of luck on their side with those put-back jump shots were a ton of bricks for BYU. Meanwhile, for the West Virginia defense, they're also towards the bottom of the Big 12. They're giving up 79 points a game, which is the worst in conference play, but they don't foul a whole lot, which is good for them. They do a decent job of guarding the three-point line. They're about middle of the pack there in the conference. But basically everywhere else defensively for West Virginia, they're almost dead last in the conference. They are struggling on both sides of the basketball. Now when it comes to players, we know everybody because we saw them earlier this year other than Jesse Edwards, the 6'11 forward who's averaging right now 15 points, 8 rebounds per game. But with his return, West Virginia is still 6-12. and with him in the starting lineup. He can he can block shots. He's really good at that. What I hope for K-State today defensively is get him into a bad pattern of turnovers. He can at times, Jesse Edwards, turn it over too much and get in a slump. And that adds to his slump offensively, not scoring the basketball, missing shots, maybe not playing good defense. He can kind of spiral sometimes. So I think if K-State can do a really solid job against him on both sides of the floor, that's going to really pay off for the Cats. Now, I brought this back for the BYU game, and it turned things around for Mitch Palm. Mitch Palm with a correct prediction this past Thursday. So let's try it again. Famous alumni for West Virginia, which I don't typically do for Big 12 teams. Right, I bought it back, and it worked in the last Mitch Palm. Steve Harvey is a famous alumni For West Virginia, he might be the most famous guy for West Virginia. TV host, Family Feud, Miss Universe, back in the day, the Steve Harvey Morning Show. Actually, I think he's still doing that, but he also had the Steve Harvey Show, uh, which was a sitcom, Ryan, I believe it was called the Steve Harvey Show. And then Judge Steve Harvey, which is a new show, and I haven't watched it yet, but apparently people like it. Steve Harvey is the man. He is famous alumni number one. Number two is Billy Mays. Hi, Billy Mays here selling you this very odd TV product um, that you only see in these weird infomercials. Billy Mays actually passed away a number of years ago, but he is responsible for you maybe buying things like OxyClean, Orange Glow, Kaboom, Febreze. A lot of these products that showed up on the Home Shopping Network or these infomercials. He was the face of a lot of these products. And then finally, famous alumni number three for West Virginia. I got to say, this guy is on top right now, and that is Pat McAfee. When it comes to sports and sports talk, nobody really is on top more right now than Pat McAfee, not just because of his own show, but of College Game Day. He is now back with the WWE as one of the voices of Monday Night Raw. He's at every pay-per-view. He's doing a ton right now. So Pat McAfee is more famous now than he was ever as an athlete. So I got to throw in Pat McAfee, the former punter for the West Virginia football team. All right, let's get to some keys to the game. What I think is actually really important, and this has been a key for a lot of games recently, and that is winning the three-point line because K-State is winning games when they're the better team at the three-point line. Against West Virginia, K-State was efficient, 7-15. What really helped was Tyler Perry hitting four three-pointers. But K-State finished 46.7%. Meanwhile, nobody was shooting more threes than BYU. Nobody. The Cougars shot 31 on Saturday, which is like a season average. That is an average day for BYU, and they only hit six. They were 2 of 15 in the second half, 
four for 16 in the second half. BYU shooting 19.4% from three is a horrible day for the Cougars. I could hear the fans behind me complaining about the missed shots, of course, complaining about the fouls and stuff. And, you know, that, that, you know, there's kind of a, uh, when it comes to referees for that game, you had Kelly Self, Rick Crawford, and Amy Bonner. Those are three referees that are not popular at all. Kind of played in K-State's favor. They were the home team. And, uh, by the way, BYU was also just breaking threes all over the place. Need a little bit of luck sometimes. That you'll certainly take if you're K-State, and you want that to happen again against West Virginia. And I bring it up because even though the Mountaineers aren't the best three-point shooting team, they have been actually pretty good recently. In the last three games, they've made 25 of their 57 three-pointers. So they've been taking more threes, and they've been hitting them. So they could get hot, and they do have three-point shooters. So that's something to keep in mind. They got hot in Ames. That was why they led with less than 10 minutes to go. It took a Iowa State hot run of like 17 to nothing for them to build their lead. What also really hurt West Virginia, other than that run for Iowa State, was they had too many turnovers. And I hope K-State can really get West Virginia uncomfortable with their good defense and force some turnovers. The other key, I think, is a really simple one, and that is for K-State to be motivated because they know they still have a chance. And we saw that motivation shine against BYU. Again, I'm not a big X's and O's guy, but it did seem like K-State was more motivated where they tried to do some new things on offense. You know, it seemed, it it looked like that way, but maybe it was just K-State moving more and trying to run the offense more and having more motivation, having more want to go score the basketball, and K-State scored 84 points, their most since November against Oral Roberts in an overtime game. That was a motivated K-State team. They got to bring that motivation tonight against the Mountaineers. Ken Palm gives K-State their best shot to win almost all season long, 80%. Cats final score 73-63, that's Ken Palm. K-State, according to Mitch Palm, will win tonight. 83% chance Cats get it done at home against the Mountaineers. Final score, 77-65. That is Mitch Baum. That'll wrap up this segment. When we come back, we'll wrap up Wildcat Insider with a look at the Big 12 this week. K-State's not the only Big Monday contest in the Big 12 tonight. You'll hear more about that when we come back on Wildcat Insider on News Radio KMAN. It's final segment of Wildcat Insider on News Radio KMAN. Mitch Fortner with AJ Shaw. As we get you set for pregame coverage at 5 o'clock, the Cats hosting the West Virginia Mountaineers in Bramlage Coliseum, the K State men, and West Virginia. Tipping off a few minutes after 6, pregame at 5 here on KMAN. The game also televised on ESPN2. Looking at this week in the Big 12, the other game tonight on Big Monday, ESPN. Is number 15 Baylor at TCU. For the midweek games, the biggest game on the docket is Texas at Texas Tech. It'll be the final meeting in Lubbock between these two teams, final trip for Texas to Lubbock. That is going to be a fired-up crowd. It's been a very dramatic rivalry with, of course, the Chris Beard situation, him leaving for Texas a few years back. Tech fans are going to be fired up for that game. That tips off at 8 o'clock tomorrow on ESPN. Number 7, KU will also be hosting BYU. Houston will host Cincinnati tomorrow. 
expect KU and Houston to take care of business. And then on Wednesday, Oklahoma at Iowa State will be interesting, but I think Iowa State will take care of business. And then you have a real snoozer in UCF at Oklahoma State. Cowboys have won a couple of games, though, recently. They're trying to stay alive and not finish dead last in the Big 12. And then Saturday, clearly the biggest matchup on the list is actually the first game of the day. Noon on ABC on Saturday is number 7 KU at Baylor. KU going to try to stay in the top three of the Big 12 Conference. Also, number one, Houston at Oklahoma at 7 p.m. on ESPN2 Saturday. I truly feel if Houston does win that game, they're going to win out and Houston will finish the outright champion for the Big 12. If they lose that game, then it becomes more interesting because most likely Iowa State will still be just a game back. And then you have a tie for the Big 12, uh, first place in the Big 12. Meanwhile, Iowa State will be at UCF on Saturday at 3 o'clock. And then, of course, if you remember, Saturday, K-State heads to Cincinnati. That is going to be a weird game. That's been a tough place to play, even though Cincinnati is 5-9. They've been really close to beating a handful of really good teams at home. But K-State going to try to go on the road and win a ball game in the Big 12 as K-State trying to stay alive when it comes to a chance in the NCAA tournament. They're back on Joe Lenardi's bubble as one of the next four teams out. So there's still a chance. We take a look now at the Big 12 standings on the men's side. Houston in first at 11-3. and 10-4 and is Iowa State. In third place at 9-5 and five is KU. Then you have a three-way tie for fourth place. Baylor, TCU, and Texas Tech at 8-6. and six. Oklahoma, BYU, 7-7. Seven and, seven. and then you go to the losing records in the Big 12, followed by Texas and K-State tied at 6-8. and eight. And then in the bottom four is Cincinnati, UCF, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia. On the women's side, with K-State losing to KU on Sunday, they're now alone in third place at 12-4. and four. First place is Oklahoma at 14-2, and two, so K-State now two games back with two games to go. You would imagine K-State shot at a Big 12 title. No longer really exists, although there's still a chance. I don't see it happening. Texas is in second place at 13-3. and three. Then you have in fourth place is West Virginia, 11-5. That's going to wrap it up for Wildcat Insider. Coming up next is pregame coverage of the K-State men hosting West Virginia in Bramlage Coliseum. Wyatt Thompson and Stan Weber on the call. For A.J. Shaw, I'm Mitch Fortner. Thank you for listening to Wildcat Insider.